Well, it's my great pleasure to introduce our guest speaker today. Our guest speaker is Matt Foff, and Matt is the team leader for crew in the uh, South LA County area. So that includes uh, schools like Long Beach State and many others. So I met, met Matt uh, about 2010. Matt grew up as a missionary kid in Papua New Guinea. And then uh, when I met him, he had just graduated from USC. So any Trojans out there? All right, fight on and let's give him some love. Good. There's, there's a little bit out there. It's good. No, Bruins. You Bruin fans, just hold it. You got you to gotta learn. You got to humble yourself and learn from a Trojan today. But um, so, uh, so Matt started coming to our church 2010. And uh, then uh, got married and, uh, you know, kind of went down to, was up at Pomona and then Fullerton and now over in Long Beach State. And so he lives over there with his wife, Callie, and their daughter, Emmy Jo. And uh, they, they moved over, kind of stopped attending here in 2018 to, to move over there. But we still support him as a missionary. And uh, so we're excited for that. So we're very happy to have him here. But let me tell you why. Why did I ask Matt to come? I mean, one, because he's one of our missionaries, and it's always great to hear what God is doing in his life as we um, support him uh, financially and through prayer and that kind of thing. But, but you know, we've been looking so far this year at um, focusing, you know, wh- who we are as a church and what, what we're about. And we've talked about our, our mission is to make the name of Christ known, uh, to make his name known and, um, and through in our relationships and in our church and everywhere, Right. Um, we want the kingdom of God to, to, um, for everybody to know the love of God and to have the opportunity uh, to come into his kingdom. But we have talked a lot about what it means to be disciples as individuals. We've talked about what it looks like in our church with children's ministry, youth, and small groups. And, and all of those things are super important. But you know what? If we don't take this message out to the world, if we don't share it with others, it just stays in the church and it doesn't really do much. Uh, the point is, as we continue to grow, we continue to learn, and we continue to share uh, love with each other. We do good works so that others would come to know Christ and be able to enter into this family. And so it's important that we do this. And that's, for most of us, evangelism and sharing our faith is kind of the hardest things. It's easy to worship. It's easy to grow and love others. But it's hard to share our faith. So... Um, Today, we're going to be challenged, and uh, I think Matt is a great person to do that, as this is what he does, uh, sharing his faith with college students uh, for many, many years, and we're excited to hear from you. And so would you please uh, welcome Matt, and uh, let's learn from him today. Thank you. It is so good to be back, be with you guys. Um, Yeah, and thank you so much uh, for your support over the years, the church, many of you individually um, have prayed for us and supported us financially, and we're just so grateful for you guys, and, and such an honor to be here um, and to talk about evangelism. I'm guessing when Ethan said that, that some of your anxiety levels like rose, you know, to the roof, or maybe some of you groaned internally, or, you know, your body tensed up, right? Because our minds go to all these different places when we think about evangelism. I remember going into a campus cafeteria, getting my meat and, and veggies, sides, and going and, and asking to sit with someone that I didn't know and starting a conversation with them. And uh, that turned into a spiritual conversation, and then I, I was able to start sharing the gospel with him. 
And as I did so, his face grew more and more concerned until it turned almost into a face of horror as he stood up, grabbed his bag, and said to me, I just can't believe you eat meat, <laughs> and walked away. I was like, I, I, I have no idea why that was his reaction, but I think the, these are the kind of scenarios that play out, right? We, we don't want someone to see, think of us like we're aliens, right? We don't want to be judged by others. We don't want other people to feel like we're offending them, right? And I think that can keep us a lot from engaging in evangelism, and maybe that's where some of your minds go. And my prayer is that through this, you would see the Lord's heart for you, that you'd see the Lord's heart for evangelism and and making him known, and that you would feel equipped and encouraged to take the gospel out. Um, So to do this, we're going to go through 2 Corinthians 5, starting in verse 11, and then walking through 14 to 21. And I'm just going to dive in, taking it chunk by chunk. So 2 Corinthians 5, starting in verse 11, says, Since then... We know what it is to fear the Lord. I'm going to pause right there. Do you? Do you know what it is to fear the Lord? I think many people think that it's about just knowing a lot about God, right? Or for others, it means doing a bunch of things for him. You know, I I think it's kind of crazy. As Christians, we come to God knowing we bring nothing to the table, knowing that we are in need of a Savior. And then so often we spend our lives trying to prove to him, you know, that we're good enough to earn it, right? And that's, that's completely not what he desires for us. I, I uh, get to disciple um, guys in, in my job, and two of them, um, Moses and Josiah, I asked them recently, do you guys enjoy Jesus? And they struggled with this question so much. And, and when they finally answered, they, they responded with feelings like, well, I, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm never doing enough for him. I, you know, I feel like I should be doing better in these things. And I'm trying to show them and tell them, man, the good news of the gospel is that Jesus was enough for you and that his righteousness is bestowed on you through faith. And now God looks at you and he's, you are his boy and he delights over you. And as, I, as I'm speaking this over them, they're, they're tearing up right? Because this is the good news, and this is the God we serve. The God who, in Exodus 34, when when he, you know, declared his name to Moses, he said, I am Yahweh, Yahweh, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. And, you know, he says, I do punish sin, and and the effects of sin are going to be felt to the third and fourth generation, but, but contrast that with love to thousands Thousands, unfailing love. This is the God that we serve. And, and man, I, I think we, we know this, the greatest commandment, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind. And uh, I, I realized, and I'm talking to my, the guys that I disciple about this, like, I grew up thinking that this verse was a command to prove to God that I loved him enough. But I've come to realize that this is a command to, to develop an authentic love for the Lord. And you know what the beautiful thing about this is that 1 John 4.19 says that we love because he first loved us. And so I think actually this command is an invitation for us to experience his love so profoundly that it overflows back as love to him and love to others. 
right? That sounds more like the, the yoke that is easy and the burden that is light that Jesus talked about. It's not a command to prove ourselves to God, to prove him, but to experience his love and let it overflow back to him in surrender and obedience, right? So, so how do you experience his love? What are the things that draw your heart to him? I grew up as a missionary kid climbing trees, and I feel the Lord's favor as I climb trees and set up a hammock and read his word there. What are the things? My wife is a marathon runner. She's crazy. But, <laughs> um, but she loves running, and she experiences the Lord in that. Of course, spending time in his word, what are the, way, what are the things that draw your heart to the Lord? Right? So this is, this is the God that, that showers us with grace. And so since we know what it is to fear that beautiful, loving God, going back to verse 11, what, what? Since we know what it is to fear this God, we just live good lives in hopes that people who don't know Jesus will be curious about it. Wait, no, no, sorry, that wrong version here. Um, Oh, since then we know what it is to fear the Lord. We won't say much because we don't want to be too pushy, but if someone just happens to ask, then we'll tell them, right? No, not at all. Since we know, we try. We try to persuade men, right? We make an effort to, we, we want people to know Jesus. We take steps of faith. We, we plan to tell people. We pray for opportunities, and actively pursue this. Why? Again, jumping down to verse 14, it says, because Christ's love compels us. His love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. So he died, he, he rose again, he gives us life, and I think his love compels us to share for, for these three main reasons. The first is that his love compels us to share because we want to love him back, right? We, we want our love to flow back to him. He wants us to tell others about him. And he's invited us into this mission alongside him, right? And so we want to respond again with surrender and obedience. The second reason I think his love compels us is, is because we want others to know this love and this grace, right? People are lost and desperately in need of Jesus, 1 John 5.11 says, and this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Now, there may be people in your life that you look at. I mean, you know, we live in Orange County. You look around, it's like, wow, people seem to have it pretty good, right? You might think, it sure looks like they have life. They don't. They are hungering for him, even without knowing it. I was um, staffing a, a summer mission in Santa Monica a few years back, and one night I just went out on the beach alone and was praying, and a guy came up to me and said, do you have a light? I was like, oh, no, I don't. He was really confused. What are you doing here? And, and so I said, oh, I'm just praying, actually. And we ended up getting into conversation, and I don't know why, but he started telling me all of his, like, sexual exploits, how, how many women he'd slept with, and he's bragging about it, like, oh, this is good. And I'm like, I... I don't know what to say to this. And I, I just said, you know what? I just know that that doesn't satisfy. And he kind of laughingly responded and said, I don't know, man. It feels good when you're doing it. And the, the Holy Spirit gave me the question right in that moment. I said, yeah, how about after? And the guy froze. He said, dang it. Yeah, it feels pretty empty afterwards. 
And this opened up the opportunity to share the gospel. And at the end of our conversation, he's like, you know what? Maybe I will go check out church. Right? Because he, he came to admit to himself, he knew this doesn't satisfy. Sex doesn't satisfy. Money doesn't satisfy. Success doesn't satisfy. Partying, it doesn't satisfy because life is found in Jesus. People need to know that. The third way I think his love compels us to share is because out of his love, he blesses us with greater growth and joy in him when we share. I think of Andy, uh, who's a senior at Cal State Long Beach right now, and he was involved his freshman year when COVID hit and then disappeared. Didn't see him, hear from him over the years of COVID. But this year he's come back, and he was always this shy, you know, guy, very reserved. But he came back and he told me, you know what, I just felt really stagnant in my faith, and, and I want to grow and so he, he started coming to our evangelism times. We have times where we go, you know, and, and talk to random people on campus. And, you know, he said, man, I'm so uncomfortable meeting new people and starting conversations. I said, well, just come with me and, and I'll model it to you. You don't even need to say very much. And so we went and after the conversation, I was like, what would you think? And, and he said, man, that wasn't as scary as I thought it was. Which, by the way, almost 100% of the time, when someone gets that experience of sharing their faith, they say that. It's not as scary as I thought it was. And so I said, well, would you be up for initiating, you know, with the next person? I'll still, you know, lead the conversation in some ways, but would you be up for that? And, and so he did, and, and he's been coming, and it's been awesome to see not only his growth in, in getting to share the gospel, but his growth in his walk with the Lord, so much so that he actually applied to come on summer mission with us to Tokyo um, this summer, where we're going to be doing a lot of evangelism. So the Lord blesses us with growth as we step out, step out in faith to share the gospel. He also blesses us with joy, I think of Kiki, uh, who's a sophomore with us, and she was at our house a week or so ago, and we've been encouraging our students um, to think through these areas in their life where they have natural relationships, where they have natural connections with non-believers, whether it's their class or, you know, their dorm room, their work, um, other clubs they're in, and we've been saying, hey, pick one of those, and and begin making uh relationships with people there. Pick one or two people and, and get into a relationship and, you know, hopefully you can share your faith with them at some point. And so Kiki's in our living room and she says, guys, guess what? I went to the gym the other day and I was just working out and ended up getting to know another girl working out there and we really hit it off and we're going to keep working out. But I was able to talk about crew and talk about Christianity with her and, you know, Kiki's face is bright and smiling. The, the joy that we get from being a part of seeing God use us to bless others. It, it's for our joy as well. He, he loves to bless us with that, right? And so these are the reasons I think we share because Christ's love compels us in these ways. Going on in verse 15, it says, and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. I just think, man, it's, it's hard, right, not to live for ourselves. It, it's so much easier to sit in comfort and honestly in the fear that, that can keep us from our faith, right, from stepping out in faith. I think in this area of evangelism, again, there, there's a lot of fear. Maybe you fear, you know, not being equipped, not 
having the experience. Maybe you fear that you're going to say something wrong and mislead them. Maybe you fear um, what other people might say, how they might react, you know, if they'll reject you. And I first want to say that's normal. Um, you know, I still, I've, I've shared my face so many times. There's still times where I can uh, experience fear in that. But, but the good news that Paul tells us right here is that Jesus died so that we don't have to live for ourselves. We don't have to sit in our comfort and, and, and live in our fear. It doesn't need to control us. And the awesome thing is he's not asking us to do this alone. He, he is there. He rose again and sent us his spirit so that we can be doing this with him. Second Corinthians, or sorry, Second Timothy 1, 7 affirms that God did not give you a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Another guy that uh, I'm pouring into, his name is Nathan. He uh, takes classes at L.A. Harbor College, but he's running track at, at East L.A. And he went to our winter conference a few weeks back, and um, he, he just felt so convicted. He's like, man, I, I spend all this time with these people that I run track with, and, and I've made no effort to love them or to talk to them about Jesus. And so he told me, you know, I, I just started talking to a guy. I asked him how his day was, and, and we started talking, and then he asked me back, you know, how I'm doing. And, and I said, you know, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Like, I, I'm actually, like, growing in my relationship with Jesus, and I'm really enjoying it. And, and they got into a spiritual conversation from that. And I'm like, Nathan, I'm so proud of you. He says, yeah, I just, I, I just get so afraid of what people are going to think or say. And I said, Nathan, you know, this verse, like, you need to memorize this verse. That God has not given you a spirit of timidity, but a power of love and a self-discipline. And so when you go, you know, into these situations where you're feeling the fear, you're feeling like, I don't want to do this. Man, speak this over yourself. Ask the Spirit himself, Lord, I need you to give me this power, love, and self-discipline to, to reach out to others. And uh, it was really cool because the next day, I got a text from him. Hey, I just wanted you to know that um, I hung out with another friend and had a really good talk about Jesus with him. You know, this is, this is the power that we have through his Spirit. Right, so be honest with your fears with the Lord, but, but step out in faith and ask his spirit to give you what you need. Paul goes on to say in verse 16, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though once we regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. I think, you know, we often forget the spiritual realities surrounding the people around us, that everyone is on a spiritual journey, and that they have an enemy who doesn't want them to know Jesus, right? And I think some of the ways that we regard uh, people from this worldly point of view is believing these common myths that I just want to address real quick. So the first is that people don't want to talk about spiritual things or hear about Jesus. In reality, a poll showed that about 80% of non-Christians said that they do, don't mind their friends talking about spiritual things if they know that they really care about them. 80%. And I can tell you from my experience that there is so much openness, you know, on the college campus, there's so much openness to having spiritual conversations. And there, there's actually been a shift over the years that more, more and more people are saying, yeah, I'm spiritual. Not religious, because they, you know, think religion has done bad things, but more and more people are open to the spiritual and say that they are spiritual. And Jesus himself 
in Luke 10, 2 said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few, right? So according to Jesus, the limiting factor is not that people don't want to hear about Jesus. The limiting factor is that those who know him aren't willing to be laborers. May that not be us, right? We want to be laborers. The second um, myth is that living with kindness and being a good person is enough for people to see or know the gospel. You may have heard a common phrase, preach the gospel always, and if necessary, use words. The problem with this is that if you don't use words to tell the story of the gospel, then people just think that Christianity is about being a good person. And honestly, this is the the most common response I get when I ask them, what do you think the main message of the Bible? Even some people who say that they're Christians, what, what do you think it's about? They say, oh, it's being a good person. But the gospel says that no one is a good person, that we're desperately in need of a Savior, that God loves us enough to send us unto save us, and now he gives us his goodness and righteousness and, you know, works that out through us, right? So if, if we're not sharing the gospel, if we're just, you know, preaching by our good works, we're actually preaching a false gospel of works righteousness, And that's not the gospel. We need to use our words as well. The third myth, I don't have the gift of evangelism, so I'm not called to it. Man, it's true. We all have different spiritual gifts, and you might not have the gift of evangelism. But this passage is written to believers, not just evangelists. And and the great commission that Jesus gave is to all who follow him, right? And our job in this is just This is what we in crew, we call successful evangelism, is that we would take the step of faith in the power of the Holy Spirit and leave the results to God, right? So if you you attempt, you know, and someone says, no, I'm not interested in that. Well, that's successful. You took the step of faith in the power of the Holy Spirit and you left the results to God. That's that's our call of, of all believers to do. The fourth myth is that evangelism comes across pushy like a sales pitch. It's not relational. It turns people off. And I just want to say that this is totally dependent on how you do it. Um, it, You can be so relational. We don't hold up signs on campus. We get, you know, we teach our students to get into conversation and and to get to know people, right? Um, We're going through a a series um, in our weekly meetings on campus called Tough Questions. And a week or so ago, I, I talked about, you know, if God is so good, why do evil things happen? And, and a guy named Jordan, an atheist, showed up to our meeting. He saw our posters around campus, said, I'm just curious what Christians have to say about this. And afterwards, he came to dinner, and he started asking me a, a lot of questions, and great, you know, great challenging questions. And I got to share more of the gospel through that. And it just struck me how many times he kept saying, man, this was a way better experience than I thought it would be. You know, our, our posture matters so much, and, and, and we, can, we can go in grace and love and, and disarm people by, by how loving and relational we are in that. Um, and remember, we're offering people true life when we tell them about Jesus. Uh, I was going to show you a, a, a video um, don't have time for it, but it's a video of Penn Gillette, who from Penn and Teller, magician, entertainer. He's a staunch and a- a- outspoken atheist, but he recorded this video years back 
where um, he's talking about the experience of he went out and someone who had been to his show was in line, you know, he goes and signs autographs. And someone was there with a pocket Gideon Bible and he got into conversation with him and he said, I want to give this to you. And this video is just, you know, Penn talking and saying, man, it was such a good conversation and I respect this man so much. This is an atheist saying it. He's like, I, I respect him so much because, you know, if you really believe that there's a heaven and that people are going to hell, how much do you have to hate someone to not tell them about Jesus? This is this atheist, you know, saying this, right? And so, yeah, we, we don't want to be pushy in this, but we can be relational and share the, the gift of life with them, right? And so... Uh, yeah, up to now, I've been talking a lot about kind of this heart behind and motivation behind why we share our faith. But I also want to give you guys some practical thoughts on how to engage in evangelism, e- even as we continue to look at the rest of the scripture. So you can look at these as practical steps or practices or skills to, to develop and get good at. Um, the first is, you know, as we think about not wanting to view people from this worldly point of view, um, is to, to practice and to grow in your skill in asking questions and listening well. Right? We want to get to know people, uh, the people in our lives and their hearts, right? So, so we want to ask questions about the deeper spiritual realities, the longings in their lives. Um, and, and as we do this, we want to listen well because people like talking about themselves and they feel very cared for by someone who they, they notice is really listening to them. So we want to listen well to show that we care for them. We also want to listen well to hear, man, how is the gospel good news in this person's life? So if you feel like you need help uh, in thinking of just questions to ask people, you're like, I'm not good at that. Crew has an app called God Tools. I'd highly recommend downloading this. It's got a lot of great stuff um, on here. And one of the, the things is called the openers. And it's just a bunch of questions under different categories. Some surfacey questions, some deeper questions. And so it's a great resource um, if you want examples of that. But yeah, in, in asking these questions, we want to move from this like surface level to, to the deeper spiritual level questions. And so just some examples of questions um, that you could use that I've used before. What's your spiritual background? You're just asking straight up. What, what is your spiritual background? What things really motivate you? Or bring you life? What's something about the world or your life that you would change if you could? Right? These are the deeper questions. And as you ask these questions, again, you want to be listening and asking follow-up questions. You know, maybe they say, oh, my spiritual background is I grew up Catholic. Okay, what did you think of that? How was it for you? You know, what do you feel like you've still kept from that? What don't you like anymore if you're not going anymore, right? We want to get to know them and be able to, to see, again, where the gospel is good news. And I find it also helpful, you know, after asking these kind of deeper questions, I find it helpful to also have questions that can then lead to the point of being able to ask them, can I share the gospel with you? I think we, we should always ask people permission for that. And so um, one example of a question, and I can give you these afterwards if, if you guys want these, um, but one example is, man, has that has anyone ever shared with you the basic message of the Bible or Christianity? Um, could I do that? Maybe they say, 
yeah, and maybe they say it's about being a good person. Say, actually, I think the Bible tells a much better story. Can I share that with you? Uh, Another one, if God existed and cared about those things that you told me you cared about, how interested would you be in having a relationship with him? Right? Can I, can I share how the Bible says that you can have that? Um, do you ever feel like God has more to offer than what you're experiencing right now? I, I think of this with people who say they're Christian, and I'm like, oh, yeah, what does that look like? Oh, I, I pray before I go to bed. It's like, man, do you, do you ever feel like God has more to offer than what you're experiencing? Can I share why I think he really wants a greater, you know, fulfilling love relationship with you? Uh, or maybe as you've asked these spiritual questions, they've, they've shared things that they struggle with or, um, or had a deep desire for. And so you can say, man, you shared earlier that you had difficulty with, you know, anxiety, for example, or have always had a deep desire for peace in your life. Can I share how Jesus, I think, offers that for you? And that, that last one, it kind of leads into this second practical skill of of personal storytelling, or I think of micro-testimonies. The next verse uh, in 2 Corinthians 17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come, right? So if you know Christ, this is your reality. So, So what difference has Jesus made? Has the gospel made in your life? How has it been good news to you? And this could be your conversion story, but it honestly doesn't have to be. I know a lot of people who grew up in the church don't feel like they have this like dramatic conversion story, but I I hope you have many micro-testimonies of how the Lord has made a difference in your life. I think one of mine, you know, I grew up as a missionary kid. I loved it, but, but a narrative that I internalized is that, man, I need to, to perform well enough for people to like me. I need to be the good kid to, to be loved by people. And the gospel is good news because it says that God loves me no matter how I perform. And, and as I internalize that, that frees me from, from the shame when I fail. It, it frees me from, you know, pleasing others. It frees me to love the Lord because he loves me so much. There's an a international, an Indian student named Ayush um, who has checked out crew from time to time. And, um, you know, I was just asking him more about his parents who are still in India. And they're like, man, they, yeah, they just really, you know, they check up on me all the time and they really want me to just be doing well. And it's like, does, does it feel like their love for you is kind of dependent on that? He's like, yeah, a little bit. And I just said, man, that's why Jesus is such good news. And he's like, what do you mean? And so I got to share this micro-testimony, freedom from performance and the grace that God offers. I think another um, micro-testimony of mine, even recently, a lot of you know that my dad passed away about a year and a half ago. And I don't get it. I'm, it's confusing. It's hard. Um, but, but the gospel shows me a God that came and, and lived among us and experienced our suffering. And, and the story of Jesus with Mary and Martha when Lazarus had died, Jesus is about to raise him from the dead, make it all better. And instead of saying, like, it's okay, stop crying, I'm going to make it better, he weeps. He weeps with them. The gospel is good news because it tells me that there's a God who weeps with me, even in the midst of hard circumstances that I don't get. And that he will eventually make things better, but he, he sits in the heart with us, right? So how is the gospel making a difference in your life? How is it good news to you 
think through, how would you share that succinctly with others? And, and don't, don't pretend to be perfect. Don't pretend that like Jesus has made it all better, right? We're still on this journey, but he walks through, us, through the journey with us, and that's good news. Verse 18 to 19 um, says, All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. Right? This is the gospel. God wants to reconcile people to himself, not counting men's sins against them. And so the third practical skill um, to develop or next step to take is, is gospel storytelling. Do you know how to share the gospel? Do you know how to share it clearly and succinctly? Uh, or would you stumble over words or, you know, go on for too long? I, I would really encourage you to get, to get good at, at this. The God Tools app that I talked about earlier has multiple tools, including this one that's circled here, called the Knowing God Personally tool. And it's just, it's the basic points of the gospel with explanation and, and verses um, along with that. It's also got one called Honor Restored and power over fear, and those are resources that share the gospel um, more in, in ways that resonate with honor-shame culture and, and fear-power culture. So it's a really cool app, and there's, there's tons of languages on it. So you can toggle back and forth. I've shared the gospel in Spanish. I don't speak Spanish because it's right there. And, and I think, you know, these tools are designed to be read through. Like, you could just read through it. You don't need a lot of practice with them. Um, and, and one easy way that I've found to to just bring out, you know, this tool is asking, are you a visual learner? And everyone is, right? So I'm like, oh, I've got, I've got this app. And some people have thanked me. Oh, yeah, that'd be great, you know, to bring it out. But even if you don't want to bring out an app with someone, I'd really encourage you to look through these. Memorize the points. Memorize scripture that goes with the gospel so that you can share it. I, I think another way to, to do gospel storytelling is, is with these themes, of creation, fall, redemption, restoration, right? Creation, what, what should life look like? Fall, how is the world now? Redemption, how can Jesus' life, death, and resurrection address the brokenness? And restoration, you know, how do we live now? And what will renewed life look like, right? And you can do this with specific themes. So like the anxiety theme, for example, you know, creation we see in creation that God created things you know to be peaceful and safe and to, for us to be in this trusting and loving relationship where, where everything we had was provided for but the fall came and, and we mistrusted God and now worry enters in feelings like not having enough and we, and we don't trust God or others right but redemption man God stepped into our shoes into our circumstances in the form of a man Jesus and and he showed us that he he knows what we need and he said that, you know, I have a burden that is, that is easy and, and light for you. And, and he gave Jesus to, to die to, so we can enter this relationship where we can have this peace and not have to worry. And then restoration. God is working all things for good now. And we, we can have peace now. But one day, you know, we will be completely free from anxiety. Right? So these themes. So these are the practical things that, again, I would just encourage you to, to get good at these. Asking questions and listening well, personal storytelling or micro-testimonies, and gospel storytelling. The last um, verse, continuing in verse 19, says, And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. 
We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is where you guys get your church name from, right? We are ambassadors. An ambassador is a representative of something or someone greater than themselves to a certain area, right? And so my question to you is, what's that area for you? Where are you ambassadors? And, you know, like I told you, we've been having our students, you know, think through this. And maybe this is new concept or scary for you. It's okay. Pick, pick one area. Um, and, and then in that area, pick one or two people. Start praying for them. Start asking questions just to get to know them so that you can go deeper, right? Because Christ's love compels us. We try to persuade men. Um, and, and I would say, if you're currently, if you think through your life and you're currently not friends with any believers, any non-believers, man, I would just really encourage you to find a space where you are. Um, if nothing else, you almost definitely have neighbors that don't know Jesus. Um, and so find a space, go into a space. Again, start to meet someone there. God has chosen to make his appeal through you, through us. And, and we're God's plan A for the world. There's not a, there's not a plan B, right? And I, I think of, yeah, the story of Esther. Maybe you're here, maybe you're where you're at for such a time as this, right? Um, Tim Muehlhoff, uh, a, a Biola professor, came and spoke at our winter conference. And he said this that just resonated. People have um, continued repeating this. But he said, men and women, you guys are great at building bridges, you know, and he was talking to this Gen Z, but I think a lot of us, you know, we're good at building bridges. He said, what's the point of a bridge if you never send anything across? So the Lord, this is his invitation, build bridges, send the good news across. Um, As as I wrap up, I I just want to say again, thank you so much um, for your partnership with us in in the gospel and, and, you know, Long Beach State. it's been a couple hard years with COVID of ministry on campus, but honestly, this, this year has been so fruitful and, and such a blessing. We've got new students that are eager to grow in their faith. We've got, um, not, we've got freshmen who are inviting their non-believing friends to things. We've got them stepping out um, to do evangelism. We've got more people involved in our discipleship groups than we have. Uh, just this last week, our student leaders put on an outreach on campus around the Valentine's Day theme, and they were giving out flowers on campus and chocolates and engaging with people over this question of how would you live your life differently if you knew you were loved enough, right? And so it's been really encouraging. Um, I'm taking students to Lebanon in a few weeks for spring break to, uh, to yeah, to partner with the ministry there and, and share the good news. Uh, and then, like I shared before, our family is going to Tokyo over the summer and um, getting to take students and, and yeah, spread the, the gospel there. And so we're just really grateful um, for you and, and just ask that you would continue to pray for us and, and pray that, you know, as, as our students step out in faith in these ways, that, that people would come to know Jesus, right? Um, but, yeah, I want to say... Um, Though we're blessed to be your missionaries and we're, we're privileged to be able to do this full time, I, I do want to say that there are people 
in your lives that someone like me could never reach. But you can. You can. And so I just want to end by inviting you to imagine with me getting to heaven, you know, all its glory, being with Jesus, and imagining your boss or your neighbor or your friend, the person that you're thinking about right now who seems far from Jesus. Imagine them coming up to you and saying thank you. Thank you for not shrinking back in fear. Thank you for taking the step of faith to share the gospel with me. Thank you for, for not, thank you for pushing through the awkwardness to share. I wouldn't be here without you. Man, I just pray that that is an experience that all of us get as we take a step of faith to share the gospel in the power of the Holy Spirit and leave the results to God. Let me just pray for you guys.